You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I want to get to this question out of connected to the believers school of prayer with Christ in the school of prayer that we've been in for a few weeks. So if you would go with me to Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to talk about something very quickly connected to this power of prayer. Uh, we're going to begin, begin Matthew 17. I'll begin the story in verse 14 where it naturally begins. Uh, and, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man. Jesus had, had just come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. There came a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falls into, into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. So, what we ask ourselves, because the, the disciples had, you know, we know we, we, can, we can piece part of this story together. Because Jesus does immediately what they could not do. So, Certainly, there's this natural question to Jesus, why could we not do it? And Jesus recognizes something. He knows that by this time, he has already given them authority. You can find this where he's given it to them, and they've gone out two by two, and they've got the authority to cast out demons, and they've been given this already. So they're a bit confused that they've had this power. What stopped it this time? Well, this is the basic question of our prayer life. God, why, when we pray, does nothing happen? Or what's happening that we, we, it's happened before? We know you did it. Why will it not work with us? And so Jesus answers this question, and he answers it. He's very straightforward because, again, he, he knows, you know, how they have been prepared. He probably knows that they went through all the motions of what they knew to do, they had probably, it does, we can infer because of other scriptures before this, they probably spoke, they probably addressed this thing that was demonic, they probably called into, into uh, statement Jesus' name in the name of Jesus, you know, very likely did all the things, went through all the correct motions, with a full expectation that what they did last time would happen this time. And nothing happened. So they come, they come to 
Jesus and they ask this question, uh, why could we not? It's evident that they wished to. It's evident that they tried to. They probably, again, used everything that they knew to do. And Jesus' answer, quite simple, very factual, it's because of your unbelief. So what we need to talk about from this chapter is what is the cure for unbelief? And Jesus doesn't hesitate to tell them what it is. He doesn't, he's not trying to confuse them. Again, in the scripture, verse 20, because of your unbelief. And then he goes on to say, and, and what's, what's the remedy? What's the cure for it? How be it, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. So again, we get, we get a very quick answer. What, it, what is the cure? His having a special power uh, to which they had no access, not the case. The reasons, again, were not hard to find. And he says it very enigmatically. It is your unbelief. In the spiritual world, Jesus is boiling this down to something real simple, I think. That in the spiritual world, failure only has one cause. Lack of faith. Now, Jesus establishes this message that it is a lack of faith. Because faith is the one condition on which all divine power can enter into a man and work through him. It's faith that allows that to occur. Faith that God gives us allows by faith. Again, it's, it's, it's very much, again, you sitting here in those chairs. Do you recognize that you are doing something totally, absolutely impossible. You realize that sitting there? That you're doing something absolutely impossible. If I were to remove the chair, what would be the likelihood that you could maintain that position? See, no chance. Faith is allowing you to do the impossible. Is Now, in this situation, it's faith in a chair. But you resting, your weight in that chair is allowing the chair to work on your behalf and you're doing something that is totally impossible absent the chair. Faith in in God and allowing him to enter into us, allowing him to take charge within us also makes us capable of impossible. You remove him, you remove that faith in him if, if by any reason you begin to doubt that chair, what's, what, what are you going to instantly do? If you doubt the chair, what are you going to instantly do? Yeah. You're going to stand up. You're going to do something. You're going to separate yourself. So your faith is being affected. Well, faith that he gives us to, will allow him to fully, absolutely enter into us. And when that occurs, that which was impossible becomes possible. He says it. You could say to this mountain and it will be removed. 
Why? What would allow me to do something that impossible? It has to be faith. It has to be faith in someone who could do something in me and through me that I am incapable of doing by myself. So it's not hard for us to grasp that, that, that this conversation begins in faith. The power they had received to cast out devils that they've already done, they did not hold in themselves as a permanent gift. The power was in Christ. What happens if we don't recognize, if we don't understand that I am a constant host to the Holy Spirit? We will see ourselves, as I said this morning, being able to drift into the Spirit and out of the Spirit, into the Spirit and out of the Spirit. We will see ourselves in a very inconsistent manner, having times when I know that I'm functioning in the Spirit and in the flesh, and in the Spirit and in the flesh. We won't see him as a constant. You see, they had done it, and then they couldn't. Something changed. Something about this story was different. And guess who it was not? It was not God. It was not Christ. It was not, it was not Jesus. It, the, the, the thing that was changing was not the constant, the, the eternal constant. It had to be them. What does it tell us? If there's going to be a cure for our unbelief, where does the cure have to be applied? It has to be applied in us. But lack of faith must have a cause as well because if, uh, what would your next question be to Jesus? If he gave that answer, it was because of unbelief. What would your next question naturally be? Yeah, why did I not believe then? If, 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 if you're going to say I couldn't do it because of unbelief, I want to know why I didn't believe. That was, that's kind of this natural progression of questions because, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a great answer. Well, it's because of your unbelief. And I think I just have been sitting there as a disciple scratching my head saying, well, why I believed over here. Why did I not believe here? What, what happened? I think it would be a very, very natural question. Why could we not believe? Our, our faith has cast out devils before this. Why have we failed now in believing? So he begins to tell them the answer. This kind goes out, but by fasting and prayer. He gives Two profound answers. What changed? It wasn't, it wasn't a different circumstance. It wasn't a heart problem. He's telling, he's telling them that, that your change was because you, you, know, you didn't recognize what it took to stay connected to me. Make sense? Again, I about decided the shack is the answer to everything I want to say. Mackenzie gets out of the boat and walks with Jesus across to the cave. He's excited. He wants to go back and tell Papa that he's 
so happy that he got to see his daughter and he walks into the water and he gets his feet wet. And what does Jesus say? Maybe it would work better if we did it together. You see, he was attempting to do the impossible separated from Jesus. And we find ourselves consistently in that position. Faith is by far the simplest, but it is also the highest exercise of the spiritual life, where our spirit yields itself in perfect reception to God's spirit and so is strengthened in the highest demand, in the highest activity. The faith that overcomes when there is stubborn resistance, this is what we're talking about. This demon didn't want to leave. They had done it before. This demon didn't want to leave. They didn't know what to do in that moment. And Jesus tells them, it is not possible except to men that are living very in, in very close fellowship with God. You hear that? What is one of these answers to why our prayers are... I'm I'm going to say hit and miss, but that's really a poor reflection of what I'm trying to say. Inconsistent. uh, We pray them almost with with a question instead of a statement. What Jesus is trying to tell them is there's two things that are going on here that keep you connected to me. So that no matter how stubborn the situation or how difficult of the thing that we have in front of us. He's saying, it's important that you know how to stay connected with me. And he says it in two ways. The first, we understand a little bit better than the second. It's prayer. We understand that it is our prayer connection, our prayer life that keeps us connected to the Father. This ongoing conversation and when we begin to understand, when he makes these kind of statements about pray, praying without ceasing and the fervent, righteous, the, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, we hear them. They echo through our mind from the years that we have been taught these things. But what he's telling us in the prayer life, this is what keeps you connected to me. Because I, I am, you're, you're praying in an authority that I'm giving you or you're praying according to your wishes and your requirements. Our prayer life is by its very nature designed to keep us connected to the Father. So I'm not going to mention that much more but for the sake of time, but I do want to talk to us a little bit more about this question of fasting. Andrew Murray's statement is this, prayer needs fasting for its full growth. And says, because this, this is the second lesson. Prayer is, is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible, fasting the other with, with which we let loose and cast away the visible. Whoa, power in that. I will. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. 
connecting us by faith to that which we have not yet seen. Fasting is the other hand letting loose of the visible. What's he asking us to let loose of in this terms of fasting? I want you to hear his description here because I found it to be uh, very uh, profound. In nothing is man more closely connected with the world of sense than in his need of food and his enjoyment of it. How many times a day do we do it? How much time do we spend planning it? We recreate around it. We fellowship around it. It is a powerful connection between that which we know and sense of the world and, and, and who we are personally. It was fruit, good for food, with which man was tempted and fell in the garden. It was food that was used for that. When Jesus was hungry in the wilderness, it was with bread to be made from stones that he was tempted and in, and in fasting that he triumphed. So what was Satan using? He was using food to connect us to something tangible and that we could get our hands on. I've heard a lot of people, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't think you can fast from, from your electronics. I don't think you can fast from sleep. I don't think you can fast from a particular kind of food. Now, that may be Lent, where you give something up, but fasting says, I'm, I'm giving up something, food, so that I'm letting loose of this visible so that by my prayers I can, I can more specifically attach to the invisible. And it, and it requires a submission of that which is visible. That's why it's like, you know, somebody mentioned uh, fasting the other day. And it's, a, it, it's powerful. But fasting by its nature causes my physical requirement to become in submission so that my spiritual can be, can be more heightened. So let me, let me read the rest of his, of his definition here. The body has been redeemed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is in body as well as spirit. Scripture says, in eating and drinking, we are to, we, we are to glorify God. These are, there are many Christians to whom this eating to the glory of God has not yet become a spiritual reality. The first thought suggested by Jesus' words about fasting and prayer is that only in a life of moderation and temperance and self-denial will, will there be the heart or the strength to pray much. That's not the case. It's not temperance. It's not cutting back that makes us sensitive. He's saying when the, when, when the situation demands it, when, when the requirement, because he's not saying, I could not say, I don't want this misunderstood, that all the other times when they were able to cast out devils, was that, was that, was that the Father? Yes, it was. He's saying this kind, this situation, where there's a stubbornness in it or a, or a, or a, a need for it, 
that you that that what we're actually doing is letting go of that which physically requires us, that which physically demands us food. I'm letting go of it for a season so that by the other hand, I can grasp more readily the invisible. That's a, that is one of the better definitions that I've ever heard of fasting. One hand grasping the invisible in prayer, fasting causing me to let go of those things I can visibly enjoy, particularly food, because it is required. There's also a more literal meaning. It says, sorrow and anxiety cannot eat. Joy celebrates and feasts with eating and drinking. There may come times that, that for the eating and drinking is absolutely necessary. I, I will tell you that we, we need to recognize that in these questions of unbelief, that's what he said, Just don't, don't lose track. Why could we not? Your unbelief. What's the answer? Prayer. Focusing on the invisible that you cannot see. And letting go in fasting of that which, which, which tangibly sustains you. When, when, when it's required, when it's necessary. And I, and I get asked about fasting from time to time, and, I, and my answer is always the same. I don't believe and I'm, I can be wrong about this. I don't mind being challenged in it. But I have found fasting in my personal life to be necessary when there's a question or a situation that is particularly stubborn. When I, when I have prayed and I can't find the answer, when I've searched and it won't come, and, and God reminds me that this type, this kind, comes out only by prayer and fasting. And so there are times when the questions, as we, as we have asked from the, from the church's standpoint, God, you have something that you want to say to us, and I'm, it isn't coming clearly to me. Most of the time it does. But when I can tell that there's something in the way, something that causes it to be difficult, we have to understand what Jesus is saying here. Because, because unbelief isn't simply the fact that I don't believe God's powerful. This kind requires that there be a closeness and an intimacy with him and that that closeness and intimacy requires that, that I let go of the visible to more diligently seek the invisible. I've shared a story with you all several times of, of, a, of a friend of ours who had a particularly difficult question. And I won't get into that because if it goes out on the tape, it would be inappropriate, but he had a particularly difficult question that he was wrestling with. And he had fasted for a week and with no answer, laying on his, on his bedroom floor on, his, on, on that last afternoon, he said it was just such a, a strange and faint thought almost unimportant and he was, he was dealing with an employee and when he what he heard was look at his resume that's all he heard after all this fasting but when he looked at, it, looked at this person's resume he realized that so much of it especially when he began to check it 
was all made up. I mean, particularly stubborn. A lot of, if I shared the story, a lot of dynamics in it. A lot of possible hurt in it. So instead of just taking a stick and start swinging, the prayer and the fasting so that God could, by, by that means, show him specifically how to deal with it, bring clarity so that there was no damage, just remedy. It's powerful. And God is saying, you want the cure for unbelief? Stay connected, prayer and fasting. Okay, Lord, thank you tonight for this opportunity to just share with the body the things on my heart and the, the things that you are speaking so that we can look forward, so that we can anticipate what you're doing, that we can, that we can understand, Lord, that you have something in mind already, that you have a plan that, so that we don't go backwards, so that you are moving us from glory to glory to glory. We've watched it occur. And we, Lord, our expectation should be nothing less than, than the fact that everything you do through every transition, your heart is to move us forward and upward, glory to glory to glory. So, Lord, let that, let that be our prayer. Let that be our, our desire that in all things that we do, how we pray and how we anticipate, how we receive prophetic truth, would, would move us to what you see that's next. So thank you, Lord, that you, that you have allowed that conversation tonight and pray, Lord, that it would be by your spirit received with the accuracy and the desire that's on my heart. But I couldn't say with words well that your spirit corrects so that it lands in the spirits of each one here with truth and with clarity. Thank you for bringing us to this passage helping us understand that in prayer, that there is oftentimes when our prayers are heard and it seems like we're in this season where what we pray just gets answered with urgency. And then there's times where it's like we just can't break through. We just feel like our, our prayers are just going to the ceiling and stopping. Lord, help us recognize that there's no change in you. There's no change in your heart toward us or your desire to listen. You haven't Put your hands over your ears so that, we, so that you can't hear us. But something is telling us that this is the kind that requires prayer and fasting so that we would go beyond the prayers that, that, that seem to be falling short, but that our connection with you is, is requiring that we go beyond what we typically do, normally do, and that you, you're, you're bringing us in to something because the situation in front of us requires, this type, you say, requires prayer and fasting. I pray, Lord, it would be well-received tonight that we would understand it. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.